This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. That's what happens when you live eight years together Yeah. on a boat. Oh, man. All right, we'll, we'll we'll have to rifle through that. We're have to we're have to rifle all through. He might just. I'm gonna say, sure, you don't want to just call in. Are we rolling? Yeah. <laughs> Fly is coming with with some quality content here, as he normally does. Let's see here, all right. So I'm gonna say, sure, you don't want to just call in. Let's see if we can get Fly to call in. That'd be funny if he does. So. What's up, man? Not much. You good? Yeah. What you been up to lately? Well, my boat's in the boatyard. Yeah? Fished a Viking tournament with Jeffrey Shatman. And... The Key West one? Yes. Oh, how'd it go? It was fun. It was a lot of fun. Yeah? It's the second or third time I fished it. It's always fun. We. That's a good tournament. Yeah. No, yeah. it's fun. The, t- the parties are phenomenal. Really? I've never been down for it, but I know the Papa's Pilar crew gets really heavily involved in that one. Yep, yep. They're there. And, um. Just the food, the, oh, the open bar has every top shelf thing you could imagine. Really? I like and top uh, shelf. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, it's great. It's my middle name. How'd yeah. you know that? <laughs> fishing was, you know, f- sail fishing was a little slow, but you're still sitting there. You're picking off tunas all day, mm-hmm. kingfish, cobias are eating your kite baits, dolphin. You know, it's it's always good fishing down there that time of year, even if it's not the best sail fishing because the weather whatever but right fishing all together is always great down there yeah i love key west anyway it's such a great place i mean even like over the years it's always stood the test of time yes you know it's just a quality quality place to be yeah. you know i mean i don't know man it's it's, it's a good town yeah you know? my dad when i was in middle school and high school we'd always leave our center console down there december through april and we yeah. drive down every weekend that it wasn't blowing a gale and fish and hung out with the guides and i mean 
So you learned a lot of light tackle stuff and jigs and artificial and mm -hmm. different ways and stuff like that. And then since I became a captain and stuff like that and got a bookload of numbers and taking your bosses down there. Now Pulley Ridge is out there. And, yeah. You know, yeah, Pulley Ridge. I mean, that, that's that's a, uh, my buddy Carl Trace is actually my dentist too. You know, uh -huh. like, you know Carl? I don't know. No, he, he's, he's a cool guy. Right, he's like he's like half the time he's underwater, half time he's above water. Yeah, he's just an all around waterman, and uh, he's heading out to that Pulley Ridge trip. Yeah, he tells me it's like a thirteen hour run on that Yankee Captain or yeah. something like that. That's that's a long way. That's <laughs> like you, might, you can drive to North Carolina in that. Time. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> that's cool. Yeah. Well, thanks for joining us today, man. I'm pretty stoked to have you here, um, in the gallery because I mean you're supposed to come like a few weeks ago. You like I owe you a bottle of rum because all <laughs> all the cool questions you keep asking, but we got a ton of cool questions that people have teed up for you today. So uh -oh. yeah, it's gonna be cool. It's gonna be cool. <laughs> The um yeah, all right, so Fly is chiming in and he's saying he's in Saudi Arabia at the moment. He'd love to, but it's one o'clock in the morning right now. So <laughs> yeah, all good. We forgive you, Fly. That's all right. Um so here we are with uh, Eric Leach, right? And um welcome to the Connected by Water podcast. We're powered by Joey Cardi Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram and fueled by our very good friends at Papa's PLR Room, who remind you never to be a spectator. Uh, we want to remind everyone to like, listen, and subscribe on YouTube, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Um, if you haven't already, uh, we also want to thank our other sponsors, the W Sauce, for being our official magic cooking sauce. And uh, they also um, they have this breakfast sauce now, and uh, they're just introducing it. I haven't tried it yet, so I'm going to bring it home this weekend and do so. Nice. Um, and also, of course, our friends over there at Finor Sunglasses, right, and Dave Boltice and the crew bringing it home like they always do. So, um, And I want to mention our Starbright Do-Gooders. Uh, right off the bat, um, because we've we took a couple weeks off, so there's a couple weeks backed up of the the do-gooders that we don't have. And if you're listening for the first time, we do this every episode. The where Starbright awards their do-gooder of the week, someone who is really focuses on conservation, someone who is just an ambassador and a steward of the environment um, in a good, positive, and conservationally minded way. So we got three in a row that are all solid people. Um, Ali Husseini from BD Outdoors um, and the host of the Local Knowledge TV show. Um, he's been nominated by Derek and Corey Redwine, and those are the primarily who nominates our winners. Um, and we got Brian Conley, Master Rod Builder, yep. right? He's been nominated, um, all the good that they do for conservation. And also Chad Paulson from Blue Marlin Real Estate up there in Merritt Island. So boom, 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 we got three in a row, and those are all three quality people. Um, so congrats to you guys. You guys are Starbright do-gooders of the week, weeks, mm -hmm. and um, you guys get all the salt off and the degreaser and the reggae sponge and all the cool salt, about $200 worth of Starbright products. Nice. So, yeah. So anyway, it's funny because we were sitting with Starbright at the table at the Broward County CCA uh -huh. annual banquet that they just had, and it was such a great event. By the way, it really was. They like that chapter keeps getting better and better. Yeah, I'm you know, sorry I missed Mike, it this year. Yeah, Mike's been doing such a great job with that chapter. The whole room is full, completely sold out, which was great. We were all happy about that. Um, Lorelai, my assistant, and you know Lorelai Bennett, right? mm -hmm. my assistant, she won the. We're going to announce this properly, okay? So we had her on with Mike. They did a whole episode, and we did that to announce that she was. 
the youth, the first ever youth scholarship winner for the CCA. Oh, excellent. Right? Yeah, yeah, pretty cool, right? So out of all the applicants across the state of Florida, she got invited to be one of the top 10 to go up to mud hole fishing up there in Central Florida. And they only award the top three best performers of that week scholarships. Oh. And she got the top scholarship. So she got the most money out of all the kids. Awesome. Right? We, were, we were so Very proud impressive. of her. We were so excited for her. But she just found out that last week she took the grand scholarship. That qualified her to get in the grand scholarship running. She took the grand scholarship award. Oh. Yeah, for, for, for the biggest scholarship. So she got two scholarships out of the whole thing, basically. So what they did at the Broward Bank was she sat with me. And we brought her in, and she didn't know we were doing this. She just thought she was, you know, invited to come and hang out yeah. and everything. And uh, Mike did a whole big announcement for her and brought her up on stage, and she had to do a speech. <laughs> and we kind of, like, put her on the spot. Yeah. She she would work through it like a champ, like, awesome. like she is. So so congratulations to Lorelai Bennett, right, who um, took the Grand Youth Scholarship, the first ever Grand Youth Scholarship in the CCA's history. So well, That's awesome. Yeah, we're very, very excited for her. Um, but the whole Broward chapter, the reason I was going to bring this up originally, though, is I saw your dad was there. Yes. Right. But it, I went over to after dinner, like, because everyone's kind of like, at the end of the, if you haven't been to a CCA event, right, they want you to buy all these raffle tickets and, you know, and spend money as they should. It's a fundraising yes. event. Right. So at the end, if your raffle numbers come up and you got to race to the table, if you don't race to the table, then you're going to be in this long line of people. And it's going <laughs> to be take forever for you to get what you won. So right there, we were like, oh, we're going to race over, race over to the table. And I was going to come back. I want to say hi to your dad. And he had already gone. <laughs> so I was kind of bummed out about that. And the reason I wanted to do that was I hadn't seen him in years. And I don't even know if your dad would remember me. But when I was like a 17, 18-year-old kid, when I was going to Gibbons, uh-huh. right? So it was your dad and Jim Brown, yep. right, that kind of brought me into the fold of the IGFA. And that's really, it was between that and the Wildfish Collection. Uh-huh. When Mary Alice and Reed, they own the Wildfish Collection. They're the ones that really told me to go down the street because the IGFA used to be right here down yes. the street. Yep. Right? About half a mile. Yeah. Right? Down the block. And um, that's where the, they had the old library there. And, and, and it was such a magical place. <laughs> and I'm sure, sure you know it well. Oh, yeah. And um, being, you know, the son of the former president, um, but I have fond memories of your dad and Jim. Like yes. I worked with both of them at the time, and they really kind of gave me a platform, and they allowed me to put artwork up at the Breakers events and then all the other different events, and I started working with them a little bit. Now, fast forward, I ended up going to art school and kind of got away from it and then ended up coming back to it, and now I'm working with, like, Jack and Jason and all those uh-huh. guys now and Adrian. Um but it, it was really like your dad really gave me a good opportunity uh, early on. Yeah. And, and I never forgot that about him. And he, he was always just such the nicest guy, you know, to be around and, and to work with. And um, in fact, two of my originals sold through the IGFA. Okay. Um, and then I ended up getting commissioned by this one guy that bought those. Right? He saw this little kid and he wanted to help me out. So I was Tread Barta. Okay. So that was kind of like a springboard for me to really like, man, I can really do this for a living. Yeah. So everyone always asked me, oh, how'd you get started? Or, you know what I mean? Well, that was one of those moments that really did it for me. So you Excellent. Know, yeah. I, just, I was kudos <laughs> to your dad and tell him I said hi. I will. So, I mean, I know you've been on a few shows of these podcasts and, yep. you know, and, um, you know, I, 
and all those guys ask you some really great questions. But I really wanted to bring you in here because I really wanted to get your thoughts on, you know, you've lived the life that's been connected by water your entire life. Um, this is what you know. This is what you are. It's, it's yeah. what you do. It's right? the only job I've ever had. That's it. Um, and, and, I mean, I'd be hard-pressed for you probably even to call it a job. Correct. Right? I, I think it's just like an extension of who you are. Um, take me through that a little bit, like what it was like for you to kind of just grow up. I mean, were there any ever any question marks for you as to what you were going to be when you got older? kind of thing like let's start in the very beginning like how was that like as a kid with your dad was the president of the igfa you're growing up with salt in your veins to take yep. me through that yeah we grew up on the water fort lauderdale right off you know sunrise and federal and mm-hmm. so we could fish off our dock we always had growing up we always had a center console you know, 25 foot mako then cvs and contenders and whatnot we always had a flats boat and so you know we Fish almost every weekend, uh, somehow, you know, mm-hmm. Chukaluski, Flamingo, the Keys, out here, Fort Pierce, Jup- you know, Key West a lot. Um, and then at night, you know, my dad, his homework, he'd, he would be the final review for world records. Right. And he'd come back and he'd have the box and he'd sit there at the dining room table and do you know, and every so often, oh, check this out. Mm-hmm. Check out this tiger fish that was caught in Zambezi on this. Look at this fly that they used, or this jig, or and you so you could see. So you, you have know. the flies and the jigs in in the palm of your hand at that point. Yeah, yeah. You, I mean, you could see every you know because they have their, to send line. them in. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So you could see the hook set, or you'd say, oh, this one wasn't legal. This is why you know whatever. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, you could see how like. People caught fish literally all over the world and stuff like that. Great exposure for you. Yeah. And then even at the time, I, you know, I didn't realize how many, you know, I heard the hooker, you know, one Mm -hmm. of the first calls they made was probably to my dad. Hey, we caught 20 blue marlin in one day. So it was like Skip Smith, like over and over and over and over again in your house. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, so stuff like that. And yeah. And at the time, like, I realized it's impressive, but I didn't realize until I really, I was still in high school at the time. Right. I didn't realize how impressive You went to Westminster, didn't you? Yes. Yeah, that's right. I went to Gibbons. Yep. So, so yeah, my, we are just looking at schools for my son. He's oh, in, really? He's in seventh grade and he's getting right. So we're looking at high schools right now. Oh, are you? Yeah. yeah. I'm not quite there yet. I got my daughter's 12. You know, my son is nine and a half. So I yeah. don't have to really worry about it so much, but it's coming. But she's starting to tween pretty hard right now. <laughs> I can it's imagine. a little scary. But uh, yeah, so with, so we fished and then I, you know, we fished a lot of tournaments with my dad. I think I started tournament fishing when I was nine and mm-hmm. it was little tournaments, Mr. Laughs and you know, crime stoppers and stuff like that. And then we worked, you know, I worked my way up. My dad had been fishing all those tournaments. Mm-hmm. The Miami Billfish, the Lauderdale Billfish, the Rodeo. Um, the Rodeo. Yeah. <laughs> that was such a great tournament, man. I, I mean, there's every year there's talk about bringing it back, but the more we investigate and the more we talk to people about it, it's just not going to happen. Yeah. You know, it's a, that's tough, but that was such a great community event. Man. Yeah. Yeah. Good. And uh, my my senior year in high school, we fished eighteen 
local tournaments, mm-hmm. you know, most, you know, sailfish and the meat tournaments and stuff like that. My dad won the triple crown, which was the Miami billfish, the Lauderdale billfish and the rodeo. Right. Um, and then I think that was my junior year. And then, but when I was, here's what really started me when I was 15, obviously through my dad, the French look, the big mothership mm-hmm. operation was in town. They just finished a giant season in Madeira where they killed like five granders. And so they invited my dad and my mom and myself to have dinner on the boat with some other people. So they showed us around. They showed us polished marlin bones and eye sockets and bills. And I said, this is what I want to do. That's it. This is it. You saw that, and it was, that was it. That was it. That was. I That's was cool. That you remember that moment, though, because a lot of people really got to yeah. think about that. I was really into fishing, anyways. But yeah. then I was like, "This is this is it." And then I'll jump a little bit. You know, I worked on the charter boats mm-hmm. and learned how to rig baits, and went to George Copeland and learned how to throw a big cast net and all the stuff you need to know. But then fast forward when I'm 18, turning 19. They're doing a crew change for mates, and I get hired as the second mate with Jody Whitworth as the first mate on the French wow. look. Yeah, wow. And so we we started in Hawaii. We went to Cabo and fished the Bisbee, went through the Panama Canal, then down to Vitoria, Brazil. And we fished down there, we, and James Roberts came back as the captain who was running it back in the day when they cut all the granders and everything and they'd Mikey late them as a mate. And so fast forward a couple months, we've won a tournament down there. We've killed some Marlin. We've released some really big Marlin and Jody Whitworth gets dengue fever down there. Wow. Really? Like malaria light, yeah. but it's still a very serious, right. You know, thing. And I, I heard that that's, pretty tough thing to live through yes i uh, i mean he was fishing and he was you know it's hot yeah. and he's in his full rain gear sitting between the engines shivering and we hooked a fish and he couldn't he wasn't strong enough to lift the 130 out to clear it and that, you know, that's when he went you know we took him in took, yeah, yeah, <laughs> took him to yeah, the hospital like, yeah. this is serious but mikey latham happened to be putting some cameras on Tim Choate's boat down there. So when Jody got dangy, Mikey Latham jumped on with us. And one of the days Mikey Latham was fishing with us, we hooked a marlin. At the time, I didn't, you know, I don't know sizes that much. Mm -hmm. But we had James Roberts, Mikey Latham, and John Paul all calling it about 1,500 pounds. (laughs) And so I'm sitting there thinking back, to three and a half years ago when I was eating dinner on this boat thinking this is what I want to do and all of a sudden I have the three people I really wanted to do it with that I was dreaming about from when I was 15 I'm sitting here with could have been the largest marlin ever caught we ended up losing it you know uh, dude that's that's great yeah that's thank you for sharing that part listen a lot of times I ask on this show uh, you, you may know already what's your one that got away <laughs> right 
And usually I have to ask if people don't offer it up for me right away, but it sounds like that was your one that got away. That, that was, yeah, that was. I mean, 1,500 pounds, I mean, that's yeah. tough to beat. You don't, you don't really no. match that anywhere else. So. No, we had one. We didn't hook it, but it came up in our behind our spread in St. Thomas, and you, you saw like the dorsal, mm-hmm. kind of like a head and dorsal, you know, 50 yards back of the spread or whatever. And you thought it was a pilot whale. And then all of a sudden, you just saw this giant sickle tail come up. You know, I don't, you know, it wasn't on any bait or anything. And we didn't leave that spot for yeah, another probably, four yeah, or five yeah, hours. Yeah, I mean, that's worth the whole we day ne- right we there never to see that a, again. We never had a bite, but I know the, the late Jim Lambert was like, "Yeah, things huge. We got to stay here. We, this is us." You're giving me a bunch of stuff to segue into here, <laughs> but we'll t- we'll get to Jimmy Lambert like in a little bit, but um. I want you to kind of explain to me this thought. There seems to be one of the biggest, let me put it to you this way. One of the biggest reasons that we like doing this show, that we wanted to do this show is to record history, right? And to just record the people that make up the history, I guess, is is probably one way to put it. Because if you can imagine all the people that you're mentioning, if there was such a thing as a podcast in the 80s, that someone would bring them in and talk through it. I mean, that would be just like the coolest shit yes. in my mind. You go back and you hear all these stories and you just get really intimate with these people. And, and that's what I wanted to do with you today. That's what I try to do with every guest is just mm-hmm. kind of get underneath your skin a little bit and, you know, figure out, you know, who you are, what your story is and, you know, and why that's important or explain to people why that that's important because it really is. But there seems to be this path or this river in time in different times, right? Snapshots of the 80s or the 90s or the 2000s or whatever the case may be, which is where you're talking about, mm-hmm. like right now, um, of this traveling circus, so to speak, of people. Yes. Right? And it's almost like that's the place to be. And just, I just want to just say this because the story that you just told had a lot of really quality names in it of like the Choats and the Lamberts and you know, we'd mentioned Skip Smith and even just everything on the French look and and there were other names. But you were there for all that. A lot of it, yes. A lot of it. A lot of it, right. And when you look back on that, how really does that make you feel? Oh, it's amazing. I feel very lucky to be a part of it back then. Um you know, I was getting towards the end of you know, back then you could, you know, I'm for conservation, but you used heavy leader. You you killed some fish and mm-hmm. you had to skill and stuff like that. You're not, you know, a lot of it today is 100-pound leaders and you don't need much skill and wiring to, to do that. It's when it's got the heavier stuff and, you, to, you know, when you're trying to kill a fish, let it go, keep it, you know. Right. Um, And some of the spots, you know. You can't go to Venezuela anymore. Some of those hot spots have been shut down and stuff like that. Right, Venezuela. Yeah. You fished there. Yes. That must have been incredible. I mean, there's <laughs> multiple people that come on this show that say that that's the best fishery there ever was. That, it was amazing. I mean, you could literally have a grand slam up in your spread at any time. You know, oh, oh, man, we got two or three. All right, we're going to go drop over here for a swordfish real quick and catch our swordfish. Mm-hmm. You know, that was where the first fantasy slam was ever caught. And 
special yeah. place. Yeah, for sure. I, and I hope one day it opens up again. Yes. Really. I mean, that's that really truly is the hope. I mean, for yeah. a lot of reasons, though, not just fishing wise, Correct. just for the people there as well. Yeah. You know, the place. Hopefully, that place just gets better. Yeah. Um, Andy Moyes. Um, I was talking to Andy, and he really says that killing a fish is a lost art. Mm-hmm. And um, with all the releasing now, I mean, obviously we believe in conservation yes. and we believe in the releasing and, you know, there's plenty of organizations that we all support that, you know, indicate that, but you just don't see it as much anymore. And it's not an easy thing to do. No. Um, you got any horror stories or you got any good stories? I mean, take me through what your thoughts on, on actually killing a fish is to you. Um, I mean, it's, it's, teamwork yeah you know you, you've got the wireman you've got the captain you've got the angler you know he's angler once you grab the leader he's kind of back off the drag but not too low in case you drop it you now your gaff man has to follow you we would we would do it like on the french look whoever the wireman was the other guy the second mate or the first mate because you took turns had a tag stick and he practiced following the wireman and staying behind them and getting your tag. So you, you're still practicing for gaffing, even though you were tagging and releasing these fish. You're always practicing. And it's, you know, you got to learn. When the fish jumps, you don't flip it back to the boat because if his tail's still going, he's coming at you. Mm-hmm. But then you don't, you know, you don't want to break it, break the leader when you want it. You know, so you got to learn to give on your arm, you know, with your arm and, stay in the boat so it's it's a lot going on it's Um, a different it's a different process altogether yes yeah Yeah. like you say you don't want to break that leader i mean you got to get that fish in the boat yeah for sure and that's a mean green fish too a lot of times a lot of times yes yep who what's the best wireman you ever worked with um i fished with charles perry who's arguably one of the best Mm -hmm. um I worked for Randy Baker, who's really good, and Jody Outs, you know, Mikey Latham, and you know, I've worked, I've been lucky you enough to, work, yeah, Tiny, yeah. yep, Tiny, Jason, yep. Um, so I've been, you know, real lucky to be with a bunch of real good people. Um, I was lucky when I went to Australia. The sec, you know, a lot of times the Americans down there, the Australian mates, mm-hmm. only my mate only give you like every fourth fish. It's not always 50-50. Oh, really? And then if it's your turn and, I'll, oh, man, this one's 700, they're like, sorry, mate, you get the next one. <laughs> <laughs> next one, this one's mine until you've established yourself. Yeah. So I was lucky. You're new around here. <laughs> yeah. So I was lucky. My second mate was kind of a captain that was between jobs, and he had no intention of grabbing any leaders. So I... I got to wire all the fish that season while I was down there on the boat. Yep. Oh, well, you must have got some reps then. So, yeah, that was that was excellent. And uh, Where in Australia was it? Was it Cairns? Out of Cairns, yeah. yeah. We worked our way all the way up to Lizard Island and back. Okay. And we had some mothership charters, and then we had some live-aboard charters. Okay. And uh, we had one day, we had a walk-up. Two American guys walked up at like 9 a.m. said, can we go? And we took them at lunchtime, and we were pulling a 30-pound live yellowfin tuna, and we had a 20-pound dead scaly mackerel. And we we get a bite on the live tuna, and we, we're just starting to use circle hooks. So it's in free spool. The guy gets in the chair and locks in. 
And I said, okay, let me clear this one. And then you kind of come tight on that. And as I'm doing it, all of a sudden this giant marlin comes up, eats the 20-pound scaly mackerel, no drop back, comes tight on that one. Then we reel up, come tight on that one. So we've got them on two rods. Wow. So we back off on the, the second one that he ate, the scaly mackerel, and we fight him in the chair. That one, I was the only mate that day. We got it up, and it was big, and we're like, man, I think it's 1,000 pounds. Mm-hmm. It's, it's big. Really? That big? Yeah. So that one, I had the leader, and I, with my foot, I picked up the flying gaff. They said, all right, well, let's kill it. Mm-hmm. So I sunk the first gaff, and then the captain came down and threw another gaff in it. Yeah, being 963 pounds. Oh, wow. She had dumped a rose 12 feet even on the short length. Really? 44 inches on the short length, but it was thin at the tail. Wow. So we Those guys got cigar. a day. Yeah. Those yeah, guys, those guys walk, walked up, up at 9 a.m. and you get a 960? Mm-hmm. Wow, that's pretty good. Yeah. The um, Fast forward a little bit. Well, not fast forward because I don't even know where the hell we are anymore. <laughs> <laughs> So you're on the French look. You got your job. You got your dream job. Yep. You're you're in your early 20s. You're loving life. Yep. Um, and you catch your world record. Yeah. Right. Take me through that a little bit <laughs> because I mean with I mean, all right. I've heard some of the stories already, but I want to hear it from you here today on Connected by Water, and um, because your dad works for the IGFA, and you know I listen to a little bit of your and flies podcast he did so i know a little bit of the conversation i want some of this audience to hear it as well because i think it's a really really cool story so full disclosure you already kind of told this on fly's podcast <laughs> so i don't want fly to get upset be like man i talked about this but i really i want to bring it up now all right well i'll add a little bit to it i'll start the, all right cool the story the day before because it was pretty funny so we're fishing in yap micronesia which is mm-hmm. six degrees above the equator like in line with Japan. You go through the whole, like, dance in the process when <laughs> so, you do the crossover? No. Oh, every time we crossed over the equator. Like the turtle shell thing and no, all that? No. Every time we would stop on the equator and swim. Okay. Every time we crossed. Isn't it. there, like, a, some, like, ceremony that, like, some people do? I don't Maybe. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. Maybe I was watching We never did, but we, we always did. It was always calm on the equator. Mm-hmm. And every single time we stopped and... Yeah, you know that's cool. Everybody would jump in and swim around the boat for half hour or whatever on nice. the equator. Nice. So yeah. tell me, tell me, so, this. I cut you off. Totally no. cut you off. Oh, but to fish there, we had to have a meeting. There's 12 chiefs on the island, mm-hmm. and they the island was divvied up into 12 what year sections. Is this? this is 2000. Okay. Right after Y2K. So they don't have any, I was going to say, they don't have any Y2K issues on that island. they didn't have any issues. (laughs) So, but we had to meet with them and they're like, you can fish, but don't kill anything. We're like, okay, no problem. And then one chief is like, you know, my village is a little malnourished. Mm -hmm. You know, if you catch some nice tuna or something, would you, off my section of island, would you bring it in for us? And by the end of the meeting, they were like, please kill everything. We want all the food. Bring it in and we'll divvy it up ourselves. Did somebody talk them into this? No, did they, they talk I think themselves I, into it went from him. It sounds like, like you're getting a little like, bamboozled oh, on this, 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 this is meeting. This like a good deal. Yeah. And then they all were like, yeah, just bring it all into this dock and we'll divvy it up. Just bring us everything you can. So I said, okay. So we were fishing out at the Seamount, you know, 
there's a couple spots you yeah you know, it's kind of like a little atoll and okay you could fish right off the drop off where it's you know barrier reef to three thousand four thousand feet wow right and there's a couple of sea mounts out there fast so, drop offs yes i mean real vertical yeah so we're fishing out at the sea mount the day before and every time you put the center rigger out you know it's a 30 pound to 50 pound yellow fin it's 30 pound wahoos you know dolphin nonstop. and we we're just starting to fish some teasers uh, bridge teasers because most of it was 130s really fishing for giant marlin so we we're mixing it up a little bit because we we're kind of out of season and kind of want a little bit of everything so every time we'd hook a fish we'd reel in the bridge teasers get the fish in the boat well, a lot of times jody whitworth who was the captain and tiny was the other mate with me oh so tiny's with tiny's with me okay. at this time and we go and jo tiny would give jody a really hard time about forgetting to put the bridge teasers out so we're like oh man tiny likes giving people oh, a hard yeah. time He's like, he has one job up there. Can't remember to put these bridge teasers out. This is ridiculous. So later on in the day, Tiny's driving. Whatever. Lo and behold, catch another water or tuna, whatever. Tiny forgets to put the bridge teasers no, back out. Really? So I lean over the corner and I take a wrap of the bridge teaser and I yank on it. Sips the bridge teaser line. Tiny grabs it. He's like, there he is, left bridge. Left bridge. He's still got it. won't let go. And I'm over here yanking on it. I'm about to fall out of the boat laughing so hard. Everybody's <laughs> laughing under the cover. We're yanking. It's still he's swimming with us. I can't get it out of his mouth. He's like, yeah. And then finally, we're all laughing. He you know, calls us a bunch of names or whatever. <laughs> go on. So... The very next day, it's just Jody Whitworth and myself, and we're we're fishing together, and we're just fishing real close to the island now, right on the drop off. And first, you know, Jody's like, oh, "I gotta go use the head," so I'm driving. As soon as he goes down the ladder, I hear, Zzz. so I'm like, "Oh, real funny, ha ha ha!" And I'm looking down there, and I can clearly see he's not there, and I hear, Zzz. so I'm like, "Oh." It's a blue mile. So I'm like, blue mile on right teaser. I'm like yelling. I'm like, I'm not joking. Get out of here. Right. Really? <laughs> so he like, he's down there. He's like, oh yeah, I'm really falling for this thing now. So we caught this blue mile. We actually caught it, killed it, put it in the boat for the villages. And every time we'd go in real close to the island, we'd mark a bunch of fish, you know, like three to 800 feet. We're like, man, what is that? Mm -hmm. End of the day, we got to drop on this thing and see what these fish are. So we pull up. I've got a 20-pound spinning rod. I think I had 40 or 50-pound mono leader and like a three-ounce, you know, arrowhead jig, you know, not the slope, it, the big lead. Mm -hmm. And we dropped it down, and it's falling, falling, falling. Jody's like, ah, we got pushed off too fast. You know, reel it up. So I'm. Jigging it back up, about halfway up, I get get bit. Yeah, things fighting hard. And Jody's like, oh, if you get tired, you know, I'll come down and relieve you. And I jokingly said, as remote as we are and as big as this thing's fighting, it could be a world record. Mm -hmm. Never, I, you said that. I said that. I didn't believe it. And uh, up comes this giant dog tooth tuna. And we gaff it, pull it in the boat. 
and we had just caught one a few days earlier, which was the first one any of us had ever caught. It was 70 pounds, and it ate a marlin lure. And he's like, that thing's like twice the size. So we call the mothership on the way in, charge the scale up, because we always had a certified scale with us, and meet us in there. What is it on the world record? And it's like, it's 100 pounds. Like, oh, we pretty sure we got it beat. So we... You have to weigh it on land, so we weigh it on land with a forklift and everything. And it's a hundred and thirty-seven point four pounds. Wow, on twenty-pound test. That's a big dog tooth. So yeah, so well, 20, obviously yeah. it's a world record. <laughs> and twenty-three years later, it still stands. Still stands. Still stands. Nice. So, but nice. Yeah. So your dad had the certified. Yeah. So at the time, it's back before you had digital pictures. Okay. So I, you know. And you have to have pictures and measurements of your gaff that you used and send in your line and, you know, the rod measurements from the reel to the butt and, the you know, overall and all that stuff. And so I, I don't know, I probably took three rolls of film of everything, mm-hmm. you know, 10 pictures of everything. Right, to bring it to Acker Drugs. Yeah. So I send it all back. I didn't develop it. I sent it all back to my parents in Florida. You know, with the application and everything. and So I'm sitting there. And it's been months. And I'm like, what is going on with my world record? Mm-hmm. Like, is it? Like, you it know pass? it's a world record at this point. We know it was big enough. Like, in your but heart, they, you know it's a world record. They have to test the line, but we're pretty sure, you know, we always, on yeah. that, but we always had IGFA line. So we're pretty sure, but, you know, it still has to go through the, he's like, I don't know. I haven't even seen it yet. It hasn't come to me yet. I'm like. No, I don't ask for many favors. Like, <laughs> you know, it's been like three months at this time. Could you like, right. I am your son. Could you right, go, right. Just check. I'm, I'm not asking Make you to. Make a call, pick yeah, up the phone. Yeah, something. walk down the hall. And, <laughs> so they, you know, like a week later, he goes, oh, you're, you're good. It passed. Yeah, nice. So. Right. Wouldn't that be something, though? Like, like your dad being the president of the IGFA and like. You made some sort of like tactical error. Yeah. <laughs> you probably never hear the end of that, like to this day. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Wow, that's cool. So. That's cool. So, congratulations on that. <laughs> I, I didn't know that, that, that it still stood. That, that's pretty cool. Um, you've made a life of this. Yeah. You have a family now, right? Mm-hmm. We talked on this show a lot about the life of a captain and how it's not always easy right but you know it's not not just like that it's not always easy but that's a different kind of life right mm-hmm. as a family man you guys seem to have just taken it all your entire family like fish to water right which mm-hmm. is a beautiful thing to see to watch you know what i mean it, obviously if anyone follows you on social you're always posting pictures of your kids and it's just a beautiful wonderful thing and i just want to commend you for that <laughs> thank you you know because we we know how hard it is to to keep that all sustained and you know you got to be gone and you don't know how long you're going to be gone for and, and um but it seems like your family is just you're bringing them up the way you got brought up yes yeah yep. and can you talk a little bit about that and, and tell me like how that yeah you know is makes you feel and and because to me that's that's connected by water yep right in a nutshell yeah well for one my wife is very understanding obviously she met me Mm -hmm. doing this she was a teacher in saint thomas and i was on the real tight in saint thomas and we met and the rest is history and so 
But even this year, I called her from the Dominican Republic. I heard a couple other captains mm-hmm. talking, oh, yeah, my wife's you know, just got married, and she's already given me a hard time about being gone for these two months and this. Two months is a long time. Yeah. So, uh, you, know, you, can't, you, you, you they, can't blame her, though, sometimes, you know? Yeah. I mean, really, if you look at it, like, if you're, if you're being honest. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's... Sometimes it, it, it's it's tough thing yeah. for both sides. It, it works out because a lot of times, you know, I've I've always had really great bosses. Mm-hmm. They've we've always been family and fishing buddies. I'm there, you know. If it's their anniversary, most you know they want to be on the boat usually or somewhere. Yeah, we're all there. Me and the mate, we all go to dinner together. We go here together. You know, even when we're home, they invite us to parties and social events together yeah, that's good so we've always been super close and it works out you know you go to the bahamas well the boss isn't there the entire time so he's not going to be gone for 10 days so now my family gets to come in for a week that's good you know we get use of the boat or we had the little boat you know you run around the abacos and you lobster and you do the, all the fun stuff you take the family offshore one day and um it's got to kind of be a, re- a prerequisite for you, I think. Yeah. To be like, you know, if I if I can't do that, then I can't do this job. Correct. Yeah. That that and that's good that that you worked it out like that. Like right now, like what's your current situation? I run a sixty one Viking, and then we also have a twenty seven Conch. Okay. Like a bait boat, little boat. Yeah. Nice program. Yes. Right? Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. So, I want to talk about the real tight. Mm-hmm. Okay. And because in this area, most people that listen to this show or watch this show understand that we are just sitting here in the heart of Pompano Beach, which we claim is the cradle of civilization when it comes to fishing. Right. And and we believe that. Um, I mean, this is the IGFA was here, born here. You know what I mean? This, this is, I don't know. I just think this is the Eden of fishing where it all started. Right. It's not true, but it feels that way. Uh You know what I mean? Um, and you grew up here. I grew up here. So many of our other friends have grown up here and, you know, and they're still here. Yes. The real type was here. And everybody always looked at that boat here as that's the boat. You know? <laughs> it and and it's boat. true. It, it was the boat. Um, and you worked on that boat. You grew up on that boat and, um, you worked for Jimmy Lambert yep. and everybody knows that Jimmy Lambert was the best. Um, but I want to hear from you. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was, the real tight was the only one. They offered me a job one time, and I was literally getting ready to go to Brazil, and I turned it down the first time. And the second time we're in Brazil, every time somebody would come fish with us, Jody would be like, tell them what they offered you. Because at the time, when we took the French look job, we didn't ask what the pay was. You know, I didn't have a mortgage, didn't have rent, alimony, or anything. I want to travel and fish. Mm-hmm. They offered me, so I took and you it. were right for making that decision. Yeah. Without, without, you, I mean, because, I mean, now look at your life and the dividends that that, that experience yes. has paid. I mean, yeah. Yeah, because nowadays a lot of guys, like the first you know, question is, well, what are what do I get paid? Mm-hmm. Well, you don't always need that. But then, and I always said, man, if I ever got the chance again, I won't turn it down. A couple of years later, I got the opportunity again, and I and I took it. And I mean, it was it was amazing because Jim would 
he was just as good as any mate as far as and captain as far as knowledge of lures and spreads and positions and hook sets and we were always playing with stuff you know hey it's like the perfect boss yeah on this you know he would say hey let's try you know the moisey j boy or hey man i you know that polakai would you, you think know. like the j boy is like the best lure ever made that i there's a yes i mean a come great on lure. it's gotta yeah. be right yep i mean there's a ton of man, great he's a special too, dude. he is he is amazing I mean, he's one of my yes. really, really close friends, and I'm not just saying that no, for yeah. that reason. Like, you know, because like, everyone has been on the show like 20 times. Yeah. But it's, it, that's got to be like the ultimate lure. Yep. Yep. He did a one. Not to sidetrack what you're no, saying, yeah. but. He, like, we, when he was getting started, we, you know, we had a couple of, like Marlin Magic lures that we really liked. So, Can you do this? But a little more belly weight, mm-hmm. you know, and he would do that for us. And whatever color combination you wanted and stuff like that, he's, he's been amazing. Yeah. But then, uh, so with Jim, I mean, all the time with this, hey, can we get a hook set, you know, where the hook is facing in on the right-hand side, and on the left-hand side it's facing in, so when we get an inside-out bite, it's going to hook him in the corner. I mean, and Joe Fiegel was our statistician. He'd write down after every bite, every fish, where it was hooked. You guys are doing math work. Oh, yeah. I mean, what position it was, what lure, what hook set we had, you know, the weather that day, where we going up sea, down sea, beam sea, and you could look at it, you know, where were we, like in St. Thomas, where were we on the North Drop? And you, okay, well, we're getting all our bites in the saddle today, or this this moon, and last moon, or the big fish have been in the Cuban hole, or whatever, you'd work out stuff like that, and you know, we had it all in black and white. Look back, and one of the first seasons we fished on might have been the very first season. We get down there; they got some hook sets ready. And I'm new to the boat, and they go. Uh, Jim calls up when he goes, "Take all the barbs off the hooks." Like, oh, there goes our season. This is ridiculous. <laughs> and it was like one of our best seasons. We had like 143 blue marlin that season in like four months or something mm-hmm. like that. In St. Thomas? In St. Thomas. And the eight eight or nine seasons that I fished on the real tight there, we had seven of them where we caught more than 100 blue marlin every season. Just in St. Thomas. That's it. That's outstanding. Yes. Yes. It's phenomenal. Yeah. That's outstanding. Fly with you a lot on these trips? Fly was with them. They, he was, him and Joe started, you know, two or three years before I started. Okay. And then uh, I was the first one of the three to leave. Um, and then Fly left, and then Eddie Herbert left. And Joe's still there, and he's running their brand-new 88 that they just put in the water. Right, the which day. is a beautiful, beautiful <laughs> yeah. boat. Yeah, absolutely. So Barb's off the hooks. Yep. Easier just, penetration. We right. I, And some of the, you know. So back, still the, the, the math work's happening. So. Yes. Yep. Yeah. It was it was great hookup percentage and and Jim was a great angler so that helped our percentage, um, and we would always just pitch bait lures. We weren't throwing mackerel or anything. Too many things could go wrong and the bait blows up or you miss it. You had a lure if he misses it, the lure is still doing the same thing, mm-hmm. and you're teasing him in on a lure, so it's almost the same thing. You're not 
going from a big lure to now a, a ballyhoo or a mackerel that's you know it's kind of the same thing so mm-hmm. there's a whole system that worked really well for us so with that in mind in your mind how much of a contribution do you think that the real type made the sport fishing uh a lot a huge he was, like like in the grand scheme of it all like yeah give me your insight on that you know i know they a lot of people took off and if you know, so facto yeah. you yeah right well we were calling it like yeah the you know the week they called the, their pitch bait the tingham mm-hmm. and that's what you know a lot of people you know were using that and then he was a big proponent of pushing the bbc to be a more release for conservation and stuff like that because we had a huge year where there's a lot of fish killed mm-hmm. and uh but and and every fish that would killed we'd go over there and we'd you know if they didn't want the bill we'd take the bill or we'd cut off some of their dorsal spikes and anal spikes and you could polish it up and it looks like ivory so it's it's pretty neat keepsakes mm-hmm. and you know if we killed one tried all kinds of hooks and hook sets how did it go in the mouth how did it go around the bill where did it snag put the scale on it how many pounds did it take to drive that hook into that so there's a lot of you're always learning and trying new things sure. yeah and uh so i look at it from between those two boats the french look and the real tight that a lot can be said that much of the knowledge we have in sport fishing today, those two boats had a heavy contribution yep. to what we know about sport fishing today. Yes. And you were right in the middle of that. <laughs> yeah, a lot of it. So, and then and, I, and, I, and yeah. I, I only bring that up because I really want people to really understand the magnitude of who our guest is today. You know, and, and I just want to congratulate you on just having, no, I mean that. I really want to congratulate you on having, I don't want to even say successful career. Right, because you're happy, and yep. that's a success, right? And, and I and I look at me the same way. I mean, I'm happy. That's the success. Yep. You know, what I mean, we're we're doing what we love to do. You know, and all that. That's great. And we've done it in a way that's just successful or happy. It makes us happy. You know what Absolutely. I mean? That we we were able to work with the people we want to work with. Yep. And do the things we want to do. Yeah. But it's it, it's really just. I don't even know what I'm getting at. I, I just want to say that it's really cool to have you here. And I just really wanted to shed a light on that and congratulate you on just being so influential into what happens today. And it, it's really cool just yeah. to see here with you. <laughs> and I love it. And it's awesome. So we're going to get to some questions. All, All right. right. Is that cool? Yeah. All right. Because a lot of people know, and you know, that we ask a lot of questions. <laughs> from our our listener base our fan base whatever you want to call it our friends right this and yep. then, we, we'll, we'll say friends because it's all connected by water and that's what it's all about right so i got a few dialed up for you today and i got a couple on my phone we're going to end with flies i'm going to i'm going to just going to like rip through flies like really <laughs> fast right to, to end the whole damn question yeah. part of this theory, right um so i got i wasn't going to ask this when carl asked it Okay, but then Tiny asked it too, <laughs> and I'm just like, you know what? All right, fine. I'm gonna ask this question, and I'm gonna say it's from Carl and it's from Tiny, from Carl Hitch and from Tiny Walcott. Right? How did the name Pork Chop come to be? Yeah, the, 
James Roberts gave me that name. Okay. At the time, I was 19, had longer hair, kind of bleached out, a few pounds lighter, mm-hmm. and we're in Brazil, and you'd go out to the nightclub, whatever, and the girls were interested in an American guy and stuff like that. Right. So James would say the girls looked at me like I was the last juicy pork chop on the plate. They all wanted it. <laughs> so that's how that's how it came to be. But then that's it, a better better answer than I thought it was going to be. And then it got it kind of took off because he went to you know we would kind of get like a month off. So he had his time off and went to Venezuela and fished. And he's just leaving this great season that we had in Brazil. He's telling everybody, oh, man, me and Porkchop and Jody and everybody. So literally the next month, I get time off. I fly to Venezuela, and I'm fishing with people down there. And they've all just heard all these amazing stories from Brazil and pork chops in them. So okay. as soon as I landed, every I was pork chopped <laughs> to everybody down there. So oh, my God, that's funny. It you know, it's just dawned on me. You fished. You've like fished the planet. About 22 countries. 22 countries. Asia? Uh, Japan, Okinawa, um, Ogasawara, Palau, Yap, French wow. Micronesia, Australia, Vanuatu. How does the Japan fishery like compare to here? Um, it was different. We weren't, we were there kind of in our winter. Right. So it wasn't as many billfish. We did catch quite a few spearfish, mm-hmm. and some sailfish. I don't think we caught any marlin when so we were you're there. So there, you think you were there at the wrong time of year? Yes. Yeah. Right. I um, talked to Carl mm-hmm. Anderson about, I guess, the, they told some story about how, like, some people from China had paid them to go there and it was like a really weird situation yeah you know what i mean and they tried to fish that fishery but they couldn't get out fast enough so i don't know i always wonder about that like we all talk about venezuela we all even the mediterranean or madeira and all that Mm -hmm. and like everything like atlantic and even our side of the pacific but you know just talking about like philippines and japan and and that side of the world i mean we really just hear about australia mostly yeah right i mean venice uh, Vanuatu, which is a little ways north of Australia, down there, that was phenomenal fishing. Yeah, marlin, you know, wahoos, tunas. Yeah, um, we had Sheeter on here, and Mike um, talked to Mike mm-hmm. obviously, um, and he talked a lot about the Tasmanian you know, and the big fish that they'd pull up like, yeah. on the on the uh, eastern side of Africa. Yes. In the Indian Ocean and all that. And he has some really great stories to talk about, like that that fishery as well. So I'm, I'm always intrigued about finding about about the other side of the world yeah. and all the different spots over there because we're so familiar with our spots here. Yeah. You know what I mean? That, but, you know. Over there, their commercial guys would had giant steel fads. Yeah. And, you know, and that would be where they fished. And, you know, that's, they might tie up to them and tuna fish and yeah, stuff I mean, like that. That's awesome. You, you, and so since you bring up the fads, I'm going to skip ahead to a couple of guys. I'll get back to those guys. And I'm going to talk about Art Sapp's question. <laughs> well, he basically asks you, what's like, where's your favorite place in the world of blue marlin fish? And overall, what are your thoughts and feelings on blue marlin re- related to fads? The, my favorite marlin spot I've ever fished was Australia. Okay. O- overall for blues blacks that yeah, was he's black. asking specifically blues, about blues brazil was probably the 
best yeah. blue marlin fishing. It was size and good numbers. Um, but the Dominican Republic, you know, on the real tight, we were one of the first American boats there. And then the Betsy started coming, and then it started taking off. Where you know, before then it was kind of a bunch of Puerto Ricans and mm-hmm. fishing it and keeping it quiet. And the the fads definitely congregate it and make it easier. You know, all those fish would still be swimming by, right? But they'd be a lot harder to target and get the numbers that you're seeing. The fads. So really, you think the fads is more of a numbers thing, not a. Correct. Yeah, not a size thing. Correct. Yeah. I mean, uh, now, if you're in a place where there's big marlin, and there's a bunch of little marlin that, you know, full moons or whatever, when the big females will come in, and all the males will be there, they wouldn't not go to fads at all. And, I, you know, they have great fads in Hawaii, and I heard there's some fads now in Cape Verde. Mm-hmm. But, um... But they really, they're really good at congregating the marlin, so it makes it easier for you to target and put up bigger numbers. Who makes these fads? In the Dominican Republic, it's the little local commercial fishermen in the pongas that get in. Dude, I would in. love, I would love to have yeah. someone on this show across the table for me, like the, the, like a fad maker. <laughs> I mean, they, right? That'd they, be cool to talk yeah. to them. We'd be like, what the hell are you thinking when you're making these damn things? And then how oh, do you yeah. do it? Oh, they get just a little rope, you know, two-strand rope, uh, you know. And they're putting them out in 2,000, 3,000 right. foot of water. They got 5,000 feet of line. Make a fat here. Yeah. Do we have too much current? Yeah, them, that's true. That's down. true. That's true. But then in Costa Rica, the guys are doing it. They're getting, They're building giant concrete like 15 foot long and like three of them and they have cable going up to a swivel real yeah real and and they have like a giant you know steel drum you know long that they know the tube and how you know how deep and then they'll have like navy seal divers when they go out and they winch it down 40 feet and then they'll have stuff coming up and then they'll go back out and double check them every so often with the navy seals and they swim down they can double check it you know, see if it's leaking it, air. I mean, like so that, the little Sueños fads yes, and all. Yeah, that's that's a lot bigger it's operation. An operation. Yeah. yeah. Wow, I didn't. Yeah, that's you know, I'd love to. We got to do a whole damn podcast <laughs> on that on fads. That'd yeah. be an interesting one. Yeah. You know, thanks, Art, <laughs> for the question. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Um. All right. Let's get let's get onto some fun ones. <laughs> all right, because we we've been talking all about you know we've been getting real here and all the serious stuff and. Nick Cardella, which is always good for he's always good for a good time, right? Yep. Um he wants to know what's your Indian name when you're traveling abroad. <laughs> well, yeah, most people call me Pork Chop, but they were Eddie Wheeler kind of gave me a nickname of Walking Short was my Indian name. <laughs> All right, there you go. Nick. And and way back in the day they would call me Sawed Off when I was on the charter boats yeah? at Hillsborough. All right, two good. <laughs> thanks, Dick. That's a good one. All right, Skyler DeMuth. Um, well, listen. He wants to know what your favorite type of shot is. <laughs> right? And he and he claims it's Jameson, right? Uh, now that I'm a little older, I don't do shots at all. Okay. Shots are the good devil. answer. Good answer. If you yeah, you want to maintain. He's asking cuz him and little Timmy were over in Chubb and me and my mate were passing through. Mm-hmm. And they had a Wahoo tournament coming up. 
And I'm not saying we're always the best influence, so we just kept sending them shots of Jameson, and my mate would do one and make them do one, and we'd see how many we could get them to do. All right. So we Good. weren't doing them, but we were sending them. We were glad to send them as many shots of Jameson as they wanted. Right, and that's whiskey. So I'm going to give a shameless plug to the new Papa's Pilar Rye whiskey that's Ooh. on the shelves now, first edition. Get it while it's hot. Yeah. Um, all right. Our good friend Skip Dana asks, how many hours do you think you spent asleep on the gun all the real tight? <laughs> uh I never slept on the gunnel. We would <laughs> that was always a big uh for a good photo shoot when people would be fishes up and down and it's fairly calm, you'd lay there and be like, What's taking so long? Come on. You could even <laughs> lay there and do the Don Bailey in the back. Yeah. Give Don, him the Don Bailey. I just dated myself with that one, but yeah. <laughs> no, it's still there. <laughs> it? It's still kicking. <laughs> it's right there off ninety five. The Don Bailey billboard. Nice. All right, uh, let's see here. All right. Chris Sanchez actually has a really good question. You have one day to catch a grander blue. If you don't, you have to only run dive boats for the rest of your life. Where are you fishing? Uh, I'm going to Ascension. Good answer. Very I've good never answer. fished there. Right? No, I that's, would that's really a good like answer. To, but I've that, never fished that... there either, but a good answer. Yeah, definitely. I hear it's um, starting you can't to get in there. Yeah, it's starting no. to open up now, right? I, I hear it. Last I heard it, there's a plane every once a month. So if you came, you're there for a month. Like, I don't think okay. you can leave for a medical emergency because it's one side's American and one side's British. All right. So if you have AFAB, you can't go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, um, I mean, the, the, I mean, you got to think, like, no pressure. There, no. No. Mid-Atlantic I mean, Ridge, everything if, like, that if that opens up, that's going to be, this yeah. is going to be lit up. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. All right. Um, Kenny DS asks have you ever yelled at any one of the vhf to a tournament maybe once or twice maybe once or twice good answer good answer okay connor porter i'm gonna i'm actually okay. gonna oh, skip gosh. this one this is my whole sailfish crew okay all right i'm gonna skip this one <laughs> and i'm gonna save this other one for last before we get the flies barrage of questions um connor porter asks have you ever let a girl catch fish in your boat <laughs> have i yes. said no just him Yes, just him. <laughs> yeah, I I might have run over the line on one sailfish on, on a girl when they were out there, but it happens. All right. What I think is probably, I'm guessing, because I had to verify this next question with Adrian Gray. Adrian did not ask you a question, but he did have very nice things to say about your mother. <laughs> oh, my mom's awesome. Yeah, yes. Gussie? Yes. Right? So he, he says like she's like the best woman on the planet, basically. So Adrian wanted to give her a shout out yep. while you're here. Um, so he goes, maybe ask Mike. But I had already asked Mike. Myatt. Okay. okay. And I said, well, this is what Mike asked. And Adrian goes, damn, that's good. <laughs> Mike Myatt would like to know. How many times you've watched Journey's movie at IGFA? <laughs> Way too many to count. Way too many to count. Way too many. Way too many. Love that when it came out. Yeah? All right. So as a kid, like, exposed to it, like, did you have to get, like, stuck watching that all the time? Is, is uh, that... It was exciting when you first come in. And yeah? At the IGFA, you'd walk in. And, I mean, I took my kids there all the time. Yeah. I mean, it's neat. They'd have water shoot out at you at the end and... <laughs> it, was, it was neat. 
Nice. All right, let's get the flies questions. All right. Now to start this. Yeah, go ahead. Everybody should know Fly and I worked together on the real type, which was an eighty-foot mare for eight, you're, you're eight guys and a half were, years. You guys were married for eight and a yeah. half years, and basically. we shared the bunk, like our room. He was on the top bunk, I was on the bottom bunk. All right. So, in respect to Fly, our good buddy, we're gonna read every single one of these. Oh, geez. Okay. And there's, let's see how many there are. There's Rapid one, fire. two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Okay. All right. All right, number one. This is like the David Letterman top ten of, of flying of our questions for Eric Leach. Ask him who offered up a piece of skin for a skin graft on his arm. Fly wanted to give me some of some of him when I got a skin graft on my arm. Okay. All right. I'll leave the body part. All right, so that's number ten. Number nine. What's the best way to eat stone cla- stone crab claws while in the Bahamas? <laughs> Well, if you've come from nippers, you just barely crack the claw and then eat the shell and the meat together. All right. All right. Number eight. What's the best way to deal with an upset HOA? <laughs> the, no, no, full disclosure, I have no idea what any of these yeah, things yeah, mean. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Yeah. No, you just give them fish. Give them fish. All right. Give them fish. What is that right, number seven? What is I'm gonna to try to remember like what number I'm on here. What is the meanest prank ever played on your Japanese charter? Uh, <laughs> we it was rough and we picked up these Japanese a lady and a guy, they weren't even related or dating, it was separate at a tackle shop in Okinawa. They were completely separate? Yeah. They like didn't know we, each other. No. Like we met on the <laughs> We said, hey, we, and so you didn't know them either. We didn't know them either. We we're just at the tackle shop because you couldn't go to many places, and you know, hey, you want to go fishing in Japan? In in Okinawa. In Okinawa. And like they come with us. And, My best memories of Okinawa was Karate Kid too. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so we took them fishing, and it was rough. Like it was eight to ten foot. Really. And so pitching like that. Yeah. Really. It, it was rough. So we're we're going down fishing with slow. So later on, I said, "All right." So I go downstairs and I and I grab a life jacket, and then Jody and Tiny are up on the bridge. I go, "All right, watch this." And so I I get it, and there and the and the two Japanese people are kind of sitting there looking out the back. You know, it's an open. They get sick. They weren't sick, but they probably weren't doing too great. They weren't happy. And uh, I think she had a, her own life jacket because she was scared. So. Jody and Tiny hide at the front of the bridge. I grab a life jacket and I come running down the middle and I go, ah, and I just jump over the transom. And so all they see is me floating off and then they run out and they look up and they can't see anybody because they're in the front of the bridge and they're like yelling at each other and then they start laughing and they turn around and pick me up. (laughs) Really? Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't know if I'm gonna be able to recover from them. <laughs> so yeah. So what do they think? Uh, that we we really couldn't communicate with them that well. So uh, I'm sure they were they were very freaked out. <laughs> but actually, in hindsight, later oh on that God. day, we were by a fad, and the guy brought his little jigging. He had like slow pitch jigs. Right. This was back in 2000. We don't know. And he, it was still back then. Back it was then, a big thing over there. Over there, it, yeah, it wasn't over here, at all. here. Yeah, 
And uh, you know, we're dropping down. We're like, what is this thing? It's like, awesome. <laughs> and he's catching, you know, not big tunas, but like every drop, he'd catch a fish. Big rainbow runners, you know, yellow, little yellowfin tunas. Uh -huh. Those things are pretty neat, but kind of like we're big marlin fishermen. Yeah, we yeah, didn't yeah, really, yeah. really care. But in hindsight, like, oh, it's. In hindsight, they're, yeah. they're, they're sitting on like a, a gold mine innovative <laughs> yeah. like thing. Yeah. yeah. So eight to 10 Japanese tourists you've never met before in your life. Yeah. You guys don't speak the same language. No. You just up and jump in the water yeah. and say the board is sick. Yeah, <laughs> yeah keep them on their case. Oh my God. That's fucking awesome. <laughs> All right. So what number were we on? Is that six or seven? I thought you like said it? seven. For All right. So, right so number six. All right, who hooked the biggest blue marlin ever caught on the real tight? <laughs> I don't know if it was the biggest one ever caught. I love that you laugh after every one of these questions. <laughs> so we're in Panama, and we have a big marlin up. It was on the teaser, and it's teasing in, and it's big. And Jim Lambert picks up the pitch, big pitch, you know, 80 with the big lure, and he's holding it there while he puts it under the left short. So the line's going over. So I picked the left short up. And get it over so it's not on his rod tip and reel it up. Well, the marlin doesn't tease all the way in, fades off, and as it's fading off, here's the left short. The marlin comes up, eats the left short. I'm standing there with my rod. So Jim turns around like, yeah, I'm going to catch this big giant marlin. And all of a sudden, he turns around, and I'm standing there with the rod hooked up. And he looks at me and goes, <laughs> You fucking catch it. <laughs> <laughs> and I like, so I felt really bad. So we put Harry Tellum, which was his brother in law, <laughs> and I, we handed it to him and he caught it. And, he, you know, it was big. He goes, if I had caught it, we probably would have killed it. I don't know if it was really a, a thousand pounds or not. But no, you was, release it. We released it. it yeah. But it was big. We did catch and Where was it. that? Panama. Panama. Penis, right off Penis Bay. Okay. Nice. All right. I believe we're on number five because. The rum's kicking in, and I'm, <laughs> I'm having a time. I went to art school, and I'm having a tough time <laughs> keeping track of numbers. So forgive me, audience. All right. Um, wow. Really? He asked this question? All right. We're going we're gonna to ask it. Okay. <laughs> What's your favorite part of a woman? <laughs> I, I must be one of the more than the Saudi Arabia. Uh, no. Nah. <laughs> yeah. I'm a boob guy. Yeah, he said boobs. He said yeah, boobs. Oh, he yeah. said boobs. Let's see. He's answering every single one of these, by the <laughs> oh, way. I said, he? Yeah. <laughs> so he's, I guess he's like cross verifying. <laughs> Make sure I'm not lying. It on must these be things. one of the more than the Saudi Arabia because I got a long list from Fly on this whole thing. So, <laughs> all right. Number four. Four? All right. Number four. Um, what? What? <laughs> Why do you love being an observer in tournaments? Oh, I don't. <laughs> that's, that's why I was laughing. Like, no, I had, no I, was, I did it one time. and Oh, you did do it one time? I did. in Venice, how, how was that? In Venezuela. Um, it was good. I had to DQ a fish for a really good fisherman. Oh, that and sucks. And later on, because it I wasn't a hook in hand. I don't blame you for not wanting to do it again then. And so he hooked it. The mate, who was like an angler for that tournament. Yeah. He hooked a fish. You know, there's a quad up. So the other two guys hook fish. This guy hooks one, puts it in the rod holder, picks the other one up, hooks that one. Yeah. And then he catches that Can't one. Can't put it in the rod holder. One. Yeah. And so for that tournament, he couldn't. But they had told us, don't say, I'm DQing your fish on the boat. You're not. You come and report to us. So you, you know, told them why you were fishing? No. No, I didn't. Okay. I didn't, and I told the tournament committee that night or whatever, and I yeah. said, this one won't count for this reason. 
and the mate who's a great captain and stuff like that he's like oh good call the owner who was kind of funding it all he like flew off the handle and didn't like me forever because he figured, it wasn't yeah. even it was it's no. not a big money tournament yeah but he he was mad at me and then i they were the, just doing your job yeah and yeah. then the next day we had a I was on another boat because you switch boats every day. And it was one of the Venezuelan charter boats, and they had a white marlin. I go down there. It comes close, and the guy never gets the leader, and it takes off some line and pulls the hook. So I go back up, and the captain's like, and I speak decent amount of Spanish, but I'm not fluent. And he's, he's like, oh, you know, what time? He's asking what time to put was the release. And I think he's asking what time it's on tell him. And, he starts, and he's calling it in on the radio. And I'm like, right. whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, you didn't get that fish. And they're like, what? You didn't see it? What are you blind? Oh, giving me a hard yeah. time. So then I go back. Like, I feel this big. And I ask the angler. I'm like, Do you, did you see? Did you get the leader? Do you feel you got the leader? He's like, no, I, we missed it by like five feet. And it pulled up. I'm like, okay. But they were giving me a hard time. So I'm like, all right, never again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> You know, it's, I don't it's, want to do it again. Uh, you know, Brick Peoples. Yeah, I'm very good friends with him. You know, and he's the tournament director for the Jimmy Johnson, like both tournaments or all three of the tournaments, mm -hmm. I should say. And you know, I asked him, so I'm like, dude, like this is it's a great gig, and he's like, oh, I love it because Todd and Valor are great to work for, and the whole event and the whole thing. It's, it's a lot of fun to, to work. It, I mean, mm -hmm. I worked with them for what twelve years. You know, what I mean, trust me, it's a lot of fun working with the Jimmy Johnson franchise, and um. I'm like, what's the shittiest part of the job for you? I just joked asking yeah. that. And and he got real serious. He's like, DQ and fish. I hate it. Yep. He goes, but you got to do it. He goes, you know, you, I don't want to do it. Yeah. But, and it sucks, but yep. you know, the rules are rules, man. Yep. I, I, I like how they say him and Jamie Bunn. He goes, we don't want to DQ a fish. We look for every way to yeah. qualify your fish. Yep, Sometimes for sure. it doesn't happen. And they both do a great job of communicating that, you know, and sometimes yeah. it happens and, and whatnot. But yeah, yeah. when it, it sucks when you have to, you know, so everybody's it's, working so, so hard. So it's kind of crappy when you got a yeah. guy on the bridge like that, like fighting you about it. Yeah. It's like, listen, I don't want to do this. <laughs> know. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's not. Yeah. I'm not doing it to taunt you. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, especially you're in the water. You can throw me overboard in eight to 10 foot season up yeah. an hour. Exactly. Um, so were we on number three or two or something like that? Yeah. All right. So what was the greatest pl prank ever played by the boys of the real type? Oh, we had a lot. We had a lot of, so I hear. we had a lot of good ones. Some of my favorite were in Panama, like in Penis Bay. Almost every morning you'd wake up cause you're anchored in the Really jungle. sounds like you're saying Penis Bay. <laughs> <laughs> That's basically how it is. Is it just me? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and there'd always be some giant bug. I mean, two handful like size bugs. Yeah. And so we'd catch them. We'd put them in the freezer. And then when people would fall asleep, uh, we 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 would get elaborate. We'd tape a ring up there with fishing line, like eight pound line, and we'd swing it into their face, or we'd wait to dinner time and draw. You know, mm -hmm. all kinds. So those were fun. One of the, we did get. Pete Buenas one time, he was he's Greek and he was very proud of being Greek. And we cut down his Greek flag in St. Thomas one time during the Boy Scout and we put a rainbow flag up. Really? And, 
and his captain was on board. So they like one rainbow Marlin release for the <laughs> ship's cafe. And he doesn't know about it. And that's like three quarters of the day. And finally, Jim Lambert calls him up and he goes, Pete, I, I knew you're Greek. And so it's not a far stretch, but uh, I like your new flag up there. And he looks, the guy lost it. Really? He wanted to tell the cat. He wanted to like literally ran the boat. No. He hated us. That day we got in. And we're like flying and I are taking the trash out down the dock. This guy comes and he's, he was old at that time, but he was, he was still pretty strong. <laughs> and he about locks fly up and fly drops to the ground. And I like ran away. And he flies like, <laughs> if you beat the guy up, now you beat this guy up. Who's got like old knees and new hips. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You, you know, but you at the him. same time, you don't want to be thrown in the water by this guy. <laughs> he, he was serious. That was pretty good. And uh, we we did another one that was pretty good where we, you know, back in the day, if you left your flags up past 8 a.m., people would nail them to your teak or your dock. To your teak? Uh, back in the day, yeah. Wow. Before my time. but For sure. So, so one of the boats in St. Thomas, you know, it was the end of, the, you know, their last day of the, the moon and they had left their flag up for like three days. So we snuck up and we screwed it to the dock and then we stripped the heads of the screws and we said flags have to be down by 8 a.m. And Bobby Brown was leaving, having dinner on the boat that day. So we come back laughing. Recent like, uh, recipient of the Tommy Griffin Yes. Yep. yep. And he, he gets, you guys better not put my name on it. We're like, no, of course not. So now we go back out and put signed Bobby Brown. <laughs> <laughs> so months later, the captain's like, Bobby Brown's name comes up and Fly and Joe are with the captain. He's like, that guy, oh my gosh, I'm going to kill that guy. I can't believe it. So they had to come clean. They're like, all right, let's calm down. Right, it right, wasn't right. Bobby Brown. It was us. We were messed around. <laughs> he, he flew off the handle for that one, too. That's good stuff, man. All right. Um, well, let's see. I got two more left. I'm going to ask them both at the same time. All right. Okay. And 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 then that'll be all of Fly's questions. <laughs> and we'll probably wrap up the podcast after that. And I want to thank Fly. And I'm going to say in advance, usually we pick a winner of the best question. <laughs> but being that this is the first time in the history of the show, anyone submitted 10 questions. <laughs> I'll just have to give Fly a bottle of rum next but time. But he I doesn't drink. That is right. I still have to give it to somebody else. So if you ever talk to Fly, ask him about the day he quit drinking. Yeah, I you think could we... ask him about the slap heard around the world. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. There's a reason why. Yeah. Well, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Can you tell me? Yeah. So, so we're in. <laughs> <laughs> so we're. In... Sorry, Fly, in advance. <laughs> so we're sorry. We're sorry. Yeah. Actually, look, look, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask the questions. You tell okay, me. Okay. Yeah. Go ahead. So there's. How many different places? We don't have to answer this one. How many different places do we have real tight stickers? Don't have to answer that. Ask him about the bus ride up to the botanical garden from Golfito to Costa Rica. So we take the rest of the show away with all. Oh, that. Oh, uh, that was. We I I would we would do this quite a bit, but you know you're in a foreign country. You don't. You're not the best at the language. Well, fly is, but you know. I, I have a little it's more. Debatable, though. Yeah, you more than enough to get by myself. Yeah. So you know, a lot of times you go up there, you know, you have a few days off, a day off. You just go get on a bus. You go to the bus, find the bus station in town and hop on a bus and and go wherever it takes you. You know, I don't know where it takes you. 
you know, so that stops. And you're like, oh, all right, well, we'll try this one. You get off and hang on. We happen to go get off and there's a beautiful botanical garden and, you know, drinks and, you know, find a little hole in the wall bar, a little local bar. And you're just hanging with locals. And we would do that quite a bit. But that was a nice place. All right. Oh, yeah. yeah. That, that's a lovely story, yeah. Eric. <laughs> that was a t- <laughs> Now tell me about the time the Robert uh, Flynnavar got slapped. Ah, uh, he, he, did, he didn't fly. get slapped. Oh, he didn't slapped. get slapped. Okay, good. So, <laughs> so we're in Isla Mujeres, and it's Joe Fly and myself, and we're hanging out um, you know, late night at one of the little bars there. You know, this girl's, you know, playing slapper. What is it? Drink or slap or whatever. Like the that. girls are playing yeah, this? Uh, yeah, kiss or slap. Okay. Like, oh, I've never heard of this game. Yeah, They're trying to make it up because they thought this little Cuban guy was cute and stuff like that. So, okay. So they go up there. So the girl uh, kiss or slap. She's like, uh, slap. So she goes up. Yeah, Fly figures he's kind of get a kiss. Also, and she, you know, she gives him a little slap. Not, okay. Not not bad at all. So then, all of a sudden, it comes around. It's Fly's turn now. So he's like, "Uh, kiss or whatever." I don't know. So he's got her head there, got her hand in there, like he's about to come in for a nice kiss. And then all of a sudden, he comes up and no. slaps. I mean, it's not like knocking this teeth out. This is fun. Slap. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. but it was totally, she thinks she's getting, she's finally <laughs> like playing hard to get. Now she's finally getting this kiss. And all of a sudden, she gets a little slap. And all of a sudden, you know, we thought we were here drinking for free. All of a sudden, we get a full bar tab and get told to get out of here. And I forget what happened in the world, but something big had happened in the world. And a lot of stuff in different countries that kind of happened. Okay. Um, not COVID or anything. I, right, for, right. I forget what the world event type thing was. But so we were calling it the slap herd around the world. And literally like the next day, we like left the marina. So we told everybody we got kicked out because of fly, which wasn't true. But right. we were saying that was a slap herd around the world. And after that, he's like, ah, oh, never mind. I'm not drinking anymore. Nice. And really, he stopped drinking then? Yeah. Really? Yeah, it's what he says to me. He goes, "I don't, I didn't stop drinking because I had a problem. Because I just stopped drinking because I didn't want to drink anymore." Yeah, I always thought that was an interesting yeah. reason just to not drink. Yeah, yeah, because you don't really hear the people are like, "Oh, I'll just drink," you know what I mean? But yeah. he's like, "No, you know, I yeah, just like, oh, I'm yeah, I don't have a problem. I just don't yep. want to drink anymore." Yeah, what's that? It's kind of cool. Um, listen, man, we hung out. Absolutely. You shared some really cool stories, and I got to know you a little better, which is the coolest part for me. Yep. You know, and I just want to thank you for coming in and um, and sharing that with me and explaining um, to whoever wants to listen to this or watch <laughs> this, like you know, why your story matters, and I really do feel that it does, and um, that's why I wanted you in today, and um, and I thank you for opening it up and no, thank to, you for having and sharing a little bit of that with us and. It's kind of cool, man. <laughs> so, and, um, yeah. What's next for you? Uh, when I get out of the boatyard, we're getting a fancy little, we got rid of our big pulpit and we got a little fancy roller like everybody else has. And okay. We're going to Key West and we'll be down there for a month or two. And then, uh, back to the Dominican Republic. Back to the DR. Yeah. And then we'll be back here for sailfish season. All right. Cool, man. Cool. Um, 
Thanks, bro. Thank you. You want to hang out with me for a little bit at the bar, and then well, we're just going to say goodbye to everybody. Absolutely. And... Enjoy the Papa's Pilar. Yeah, absolutely. 100 people, I owe you a bottle, so I'm going to give <laughs> that to you now. So, cool, man. Um, well, listen, we're not going to end it the way we, we're not going to do the church announcements anymore, right? Didn't we say that? We're, like, we're not going to go through and, right? Yeah. So, I mean, buy a truck from Joey Cardi, drink a lot of Papa's Pilar rum, right? Um, the new get... Papa's whiskey instead of Jameson. Yep, exactly. Good recall, right? The rye, first edition rye. Um, get the breakfast sauce from Baron Burton's W sauce. This is uh, yeah, you know, Bear Holman's kind of deal. And then um, get yourself some Fitmore sunglasses, and those are our advertisers. They're all good to go. You Papa's Raw Bar, where we just put a big wall wrap up in there and made the place hopefully look a little bit better than it was before. So cool. Nice. All right, Eric Leach. You're the man. Thank, <laughs> Thank you very you. much. Your ego is not your amigo. <laughs> Always do your best, and at the end of the day, just let God do the rest, and do not ever forget that no matter where we are, no matter what we're doing, we're all connected by water. Absolutely. Cheers, brother. Cheers. Cool.